Time together. Uh, last week, uh, we presented that, what our focus is going to be as we close out the year and asked you to, uh, would you consider giving a year-end gift as we close out uh, 2023 to go to our office project? And a year ago, we, we purchased the office and we've renovated it and we've and we, we, we host, um, you know, teenagers there uh, every Wednesday for Quesadilla Wednesday. We host a, uh, a roofing company's staff meeting every Tuesday. That place is used every single day, just about. And uh, so we wanted to kind of go to the next phase and create an environment outside for some outdoor space. And so, uh, so this is what it, it'll look like. And, uh, you know, it'll have a pickleball court and a covered open patio and, it's just a place for you to come, bring your friends, play some pickleball, have a cookout, uh, have a party there, uh, birthday parties, but also for our community to gather as well. And so um, the last couple of weeks, we poured the concrete. We, we had the money at the end of the year given last year. And so we uh, poured concrete over the last uh, couple of weeks. And so this is what it looks like. This is the stage that we're at. And uh, so just asking you guys to pray about it and that God would use this facility to bring, continue to bring people to him and that, uh, you know, to complete the project, to paint the pickleball court, to put up the lights, to, uh, to build the structure and put everything in it that we'd want to put in it, the seating and all that. It's about $90,000. And so uh, we're just going to wait and kind of move forward whenever that money comes through so that we can be good stewards of uh, the, uh, the money that God, that, that God brings us. So you got a letter about it. If you didn't get a letter, you can, there's some out there, kind of year in of what we've been doing. And so we just humbly ask, would you, uh, would you consider partnering with, uh, with one another and creating the space that you can bring your friends and uh, play pickleball? I'll warn you, you know, that 65 plus crowd, they'll beat you, okay? So don't come talking trash to them because they will put you in your place. So when it comes to that pickleball. So anyway, that's what that's about. Well, um, and we are in the middle of our series, Advent, and uh, today we come around the fourth candle, which uh, represents peace. And uh, now the liturgical calendar, you know, world calendar, you know, the, the church is really on the third week of Advent. We wanted to get all four candles lit before Christmas so that we can light the, the, the Christ candle uh, next Sunday. Uh, at our Christmas Eve services. I mean, could you imagine the anxiety I would have if we could just light three during the Christmas series and we didn't get all three lit? I mean, that would, that would drive me crazy. So we started a week early. So we're ahead of everybody else. Um, but, but there are some times in our lives that we face circumstances that rob us of the peace that, that Christ offers us. I mean, <laughs> as we do inventory over our lives, if we do inventory over the last few months or the last 12 months, that we face circumstances that tend to rob us of the peace that you and I have access to, the peace that's really in us, uh, the peace, peace of Christ. And, and, and there, there are times that we face something that just causes us to ask the question, why me? Right? Have you ever asked that question? Something happened to you and you just kind of said, you know, have you let out a deep breath? It's, why me? Just kind of defeated. Like, um, you know, you're late for a meeting, you're on I-20, it's backed up and you have a flat tire in the middle of the rain and it's like, why me, right? Uh, or, uh, you know, maybe another one is uh, you thought, man, once I get to, you know, this age, I'm, I'm gonna be able to make this team, I'm gonna try out or I'm gonna sign my kid up for this club or this select team, or this, you know, whatever, and they don't end up making it, and you're thinking, well, you know, why, why me? 
maybe, maybe the company's downsizing and you're, you're not part of the company's future in 2024 and you get called into your boss's office and you, know, you leave with a why me kind of deal. Or maybe the doctor found something on the scan or in your blood work and calls you in and you're thinking, why me? Well, that, that question always also works going the other way too because we'll ask the question of, well, why them? You know, like ladies, you found out that you know, your best friend's favorite food is chicken fried steak and cheesecake and they never gain a pound, right? And we, we're always asking the question, well, why, why her? You know, or, uh, you know, we have a friend that anything he touches just turns to money and, you know, it turns to gold. And, you know, why don't I have that touch? And, you know, why, why him? Well, <coughs> let's, let's, because it's Christmas time, I, th- I think it's, uh, we can try this one on, is, you know, the God of the universe descends from heaven and is born a baby and he lives among the people that he created and God had the whole world to choose from of, of women, and yet he chose a poor um, peasant a Jewish teenage girl to be the mother of Jesus. So the question begs to be answered, why, or asked, why her? Why did God choose Mary? I mean, why, why, are, why are there over two billion Hail Marys said around the world a day in the Catholic faith? Why, why are there, why is Mary, uh, why are little girls named after Mary more than any other historical figure ever to live? How in the world did Mary inspire a last second football play out of desperation? That, thank you, yes. That never seems to work out for your team, right? I mean, was she that big of a football fan? Um, you know, or, um, <coughs> or why, why did the Beatles write about Mary and Lady Madonna? You know, how did she inspire that song? So we have all, you know, all these questions. Why did God choose Mary? Now, when you think about it, you pull away a little bit from the, from the Christmas story um, have you ever thought about that Mary was the only person who was at the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus? That Mary saw Jesus enter the world as her son, but saw him leave the world as her savior. For some people, Mary is glorified and magnified. And for other people, Mary is no more than just a, another figurine in the nativity scene. But the Bible says that Mary was an ordinary girl used in an extraordinary way. And here's where we're going this morning. I don't know how many of you feel ordinary, but God is still in the business of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter one this morning. Luke chapter one is where we're gonna be as we talk about and ask this question, why, why did God use Mary? And how can we be used by God. How did God, why did God use Mary and how can we be used by God? So uh, let's start in verse 26 of chapter one. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly 
troubled, okay, uh, at, uh, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. So, yeah, I'm sure she was troubled. I mean, it, you know, I mean, here the angel shows up and, and you know, the, <coughs> out of the middle of nowhere. I mean, think about it, parents. I mean, have you ever been asleep and, you know, your, your, your six-year-old or your eight-year-old comes in in the middle of the night and they don't say anything, but you just got this parent spidey sense that something is five inches from your face, you know? And you open your eyes and there's two eyes staring at you and it scares you. You're like, oh my gosh. You know, and maybe that's not what you, that's not really what we say in the middle of the night when you get woken up. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're startled, you're scared. And so, you know, this angel shows up and, and Mary's a little troubled here, you know? So, so why, did, why did God use, use Mary? Well, it wasn't because of her education, okay? So a lot of times we think, well, if we're gonna be used by God, we have to be qualified. You know, we have to have all these, all our ducks in a row and all these boxes checked. But, but Mary was used by God, not because of her education, because she was uneducated, okay? And unfortunately, in this first century culture, women were not, uh, were, they were not schooled. They, were, they, they weren't taught. They didn't go uh, uh, they didn't have opportunities for an education. So it wasn't because of her education. It wasn't because of her socioeconomic status. I mean, she was not just poor, but she was poor, poor. I mean, she was very poor. Uh, it wasn't because of where she was from. I mean, Nazareth wasn't, you know, you weren't, you weren't prideful. You weren't proud of your hometown of Nazareth, okay? In fact, Nazareth had this reputation of uh, that nothing good could come from Nazareth, okay? There's no way anything good. It's kind of like mineral wells, okay? Um, I'm from Weatherford, okay? I can say stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, but it's just like, nothing, it just had a bad reputation. So, you know, God doesn't, you know, ask, you know, choose Mary because of where she's from. She's from the sticks. In fact, there's not even a stoplight in this town. Nothing good comes there. It's not because of her maturity, because most scholars agree that Mary was a, you know, a 14, 15-year-old girl. So why did God choose ordinary Mary? Look at, look at verse 30. It said, but the angel of the Lord said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. So why did God choose Mary? Well, a couple of things. Number one is Mary was humble. Mary, Mary was humble. Look, look at verses 46 through 49. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of, his humble, of, the humble servant, of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So Mary was humble. And this is what humility means, okay? And we have to be honest with ourselves, we have to do a little self-inventory here. We're not gonna you know, raise our hands or anything like that, but just you know, in your heart of hearts, we have to recognize who we are. And a step into humility is to recognize who we are and who we are is we are sinners at our core, that is who we are. 
So we have to recognize who we are. We also have to recognize what we have apart from Christ. I mean, we, we, we may have a big house, we may have nice cars, we may have right clothes, we may have our health, we may have our, our looks, we may have our wealth, we may have whatever. But apart from Christ, we don't have anything. We have nothing, okay? That's what we have. And then we need to recognize where will we be without Christ? <laughs> you know, we'd be nowhere. In fact, really, you know, that's just a sanitized way of saying hell, because the Bible teaches that, that anybody who does not place their faith in Jesus Christ and that he lived the life we can't live and died the death that we deserve, anybody who denies Jesus and that the, the wage of their sin, because all of us have sinned, is eternity in hell, separated from God in all of his goodness and all of his love, being tormented and whatever that looks like. And so, so to, to be humble, we have to recognize, we have to be honest with who we are. We're sinners. We have to recognize what we have, nothing. We have to recognize where we would be without Jesus, and that's nowhere. And, and, I, and I think really most of us, we would be, we want to be used by God. I mean, I think most of us would say, yeah, you know, I, I would love to be used by God, but before we talk about how God can use us, we need to humble ourselves before God and confess that we are sinners and we are in desperate need of saving. Hello, that's why we do Christmas. That's what we celebrate as Christmas, that, that our Heavenly Father saw the hopeless state of our spiritual, sinful condition. And so he decided out of being motivated by his love for us to do something about it and come and live the life we can't live and die the death that we deserve. And so Mary, she humbled herself before God and God used her. Now, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if, if you want to guarantee a life of being in direct opposition to God, if you want to be a guarantee a life of being in, you know, in conflict with God, just be prideful. To hold them in our base, say, God, I don't need you. I don't want you. I, I, you know, I can be good enough for my own, or I'm going to trust in myself, or I'm going to control things. I, I don't need to be saved. I'm, not pr I'm a pretty good person. But Peter writes that God, he opposes the proud, but he, he gives grace to the humble. This word grace in, in the Greek language, it's, it's, it's tethered to the word favor, which is also tethered to the word charity. And at Christmas time, God saw what we needed the most but deserved the least. God saw what we needed the most and what you and I need the most because we're sinners is we needed a savior. And he saw what we needed the most and he gave us, he saw what we needed the most and gave us what we deserved the least through his grace and his love and his mercy and his favor and his charity on us. He offered Jesus at Christmas time. So Mary, she humbled herself. God also used Mary because she was willing to overcome her fears. You see, Mary was, was, was scared when the angel came to visit her, as, as any of us would be, right? But there were was, was some fears that she had to get over. And, and I think there's some fears that you and I, if we really think about, okay, God using us, maybe there's some fears that we have to overcome. That Mary had to get over the fear of, of change. That how is this baby going to alter my life? 
You know, isn't it fun to watch a couple welcome their first baby into the world and, you know, they're expectant and they're excited and, you know, you're, you're like, hey, you know, are you nervous? I'm like, oh, no, 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 we got this, you know. Our, our life, you know, what are you gonna do, you know, with your schedule, you're busy? Oh, we're not, this baby's not gonna interrupt our schedule. We're still gonna play golf and we're still gonna do this and we're still gonna go see movies at Tuesday at nine o'clock at night. We're still, you know, and, and, and you just laugh. It's comical, right? It's like, just you wait and see. And so as a pastor, I put down on my note, check in with this couple in six months. Because everything changes, right? I mean, if you're, I mean, one way to humble yourself, okay, you know, is, is, is to, to bring a child into the world. That'll teach you real quick that you don't know anything and you're not in control of anything, pretty much, okay? And then let them become teenagers and just, you get your masters in not knowing anything, you know, or, or controlling anything. But, uh, but she had to overcome her fear of, of change, and if we want God to really use us, maybe there's some small changes we need to make, some ordinary changes. I'm not talking about anything drastic, right? but, but maybe there's some ordinary small changes we need to make. Maybe a change might be for us as we go into a new year, maybe it's just be consistent in the word of God. Just to read the word of God consistently, to get that in our hearts, in our minds, and obey it. To submit to its a Authority, to make a commitment to, to learn more about God's word. That, that small, ordinary change, who knows how, what, ex, what extraordinary change that might lead to. Maybe some of us need to make a small, ordinary change to the way we spend our time. That, that you know, to even think about God using us, that would be difficult to get that on the calendar, God. Because right now, I don't know about your holidays, but mine are booked. And so can, when we talk about God, you using me, can, can you get back to me about the 17th of January? Maybe some of us, we really wanna be used by God. Maybe we need to make some small, ordinary changes to our finances. That, that, that we, we, we want to give sacrificially, but we don't wanna sacrifice financially. So, so maybe we just need to make some small, ordinary changes and cut out a, an extra night out eat here and a, and a Starbucks here or whatever. And maybe we need to drive that car six months longer or, or whatever to make some small, ordinary changes that potentially God could use in some extraordinary way. So she had to get over her fear of change. She also had to get over her fear of criticism. What will people think? I mean, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, she's probably thinking, well, what, what will my family say about this? I'm engaged. What will my family say? What will my, uh, you know, what, what are my friends going to say? What are they going to say about me on social media? Or what, oh, oh my gosh, what is Joseph going to think? What is, jo- I mean, what is Joseph going to say when he finds out that I'm pregnant? But here's the deal. Mary was willing to be used and she was willing to take on the criticism. And when you and I say, okay, I I, want to be just used in an ordinary way and God trusts you with the results. And that's the big deal. we're We're not in charge of the results. But when we're following Jesus and we're making some ordinary changes in our lives, some people, it's going to stand out. And you're going to have some friends who are going to say, man, why are you being so nice to that girl? I mean, she has been nothing but a 
blankety blank blank to you your entire high school career. She has said things about you. She has left you out. She's not invited. She's spread lies about you. Why are you being so nice to her? And some people are going to say, why, why, are you, why, why are you being so nice to him? Do you not realize that he's the reason why you didn't get the promotion last, last year? It's because he took credit for everything you did. So I don't understand this. Why are you being so nice to him? Or, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you're giving that much money away to charity? I mean, I know it's the Christmas time, but let's not, you know, let's not get you know, carried away here. See, it, it's small, ordinary changes. And she had to get over this fear of what will people say? Because I promise you, we are the light of the world. We are light in darkness and light always pushes darkness. And no matter how small and how ordinary it may seem, it makes a big difference. And so she had to get over that fear. Another fear she had to get over is the fear of inadequacy. Of asking the question, am I enough for this task? And that's a question that we probably, most of us ask ourselves, at least I do every single day. Am I enough? And more times than not, I mean, that my answer is a resounding no. I'm not, but he is. You know, I, you know sometimes we think, okay, I wanna be used. I wanna say something. I wanna do, but I don't know enough about the Bible. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart like that person is. Or, you know, I'm not good enough. Or I haven't been, I haven't been coming long enough. Or I'm not consistent enough. I'm not whatever, whatever. I'm not enough. I'm just ordinary me. Anybody ever felt like that? Well, let's, let's do a little review of our storyline series because we've been doing this series all year and about this story, this one story that points, all the stories point to the one story and that's Jesus. And God really didn't use anybody extraordinary. He just used ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. So let's review, okay? We started this back in January. So we're gonna, uh, Cowboys don't kick off till 325, so we got time. Um, I'm joking. Um, Let's start with Abraham. Remember, we we talked about Abraham in January. Um, Abraham, there wasn't anything extraordinary about Abraham. Abraham was a moon worshiper. He didn't even, he didn't even worship the God of the Bible. He didn't even worship the creator God. He worshiped the moon. And so he's worshiping a false religion and God chooses Abraham. Did God choose Abraham because Abraham believed in God? No, he didn't. Did, did God choose Abraham because Abraham did something really good to impress God? No, God chose Abraham because God chose Abraham. He goes, Abraham, I'm starting with you. And he pulled him out of that moon worship. And he said, he said, Abraham, I'm gonna make you three promises. I'm, I'm gonna make your name great. And you know, ordinary Abraham was like, Nobody, nobody's gonna know about me after I die. But here we are, thousands of years later, talking about Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm, I'm gonna make your descendants outnumber the stars. And I'm sure Abraham probably laughed a little bit to himself because he, you know, he's like, you know, okay, God, that's a good one because my wife and I are 75 years old and we don't have any children, okay? So you're saying outnumber the stars. How about we just outnumber one star? Because we're not off to a real good start here. We gotta, you know, we're kind of behind the eight ball, if you will, because we're 75. And then the last promise, God says, you know, Abraham, 
I'm going to bless the whole world through you. That this, this isn't a, a promise, a covenant that I'm just making with you. I'm making it with the whole world. And one day, I'm going to send a savior into the world. And it's going to come from your, your family. So that's ordinary Abraham. And God did something extraordinary uh, through him. So Abraham, he has a son named Isaac, which we got to start. And Isaac has a son named Jacob and Jacob has 12 sons. So now we're kind of getting, you know, we're getting the ball rolling, getting some momentum here. Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph, not Joseph, New Testament, um, Jesus' earthly dad, Joseph in the Old Testament, who was a spoiled brat, okay? That, but he was his father's favorite and all of his brothers hated him for it. Now, now, now some of you, you know what it's like to, uh, to be your, your mom or dad's favorite. I mean, I have no idea how my sister lives with herself, um, knowing that I'm the favorite. And, but, but his brothers hated him for it. And so one day, they, uh, um, you know, they, they beat him up and they throw him in a well and they say, hey, let's make some cash off this kid. And they sell him to some gypsies that are going through town. These gypsies end up taking him to Egypt, selling him as a slave. He's falsely accused of sexual assault. He's thrown in prison, forgot about for over 17 years. And through some extraordinary circumstances, uh, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh, okay? And Pharaoh puts Joseph, ordinary Joseph, in charge of all of Egypt, only to be outranked by Pharaoh. And we have Moses. Moses was an insecure, stuttering murderer. Nothing extraordinary about him. But God uses him. God reveals his name to Moses and, Moses, and God uses Moses to lead the people of Egypt, or people of Israel, out of captivity from the Egyptians. And then we get down the story, we have Rahab. We talked about Rahab a couple of weeks ago. Matthew includes her in the family line, the lineage of Jesus. And we have Rahab the prostitute and all the Jewish audience, they're like, shh, not in front of the children. And so, but Rahab, she, she takes she, the, these uh, scouts from, that Joshua sends out, they, they're almost about to get caught and they spend the night at Rahab's house. And then Rahab, you know, gets, sneaks them out of the city and saves them. And because of that, she's included she says, remember me when you guys come and destroy our city. And she's included. She gets, she's allowed to go with the people of, of Israel. And then you have, you have David. I mean, he's the stock standard. I mean, he's the golden child. He's King David. Everybody loves King David. And he's like, you know, a first ballot, you know, Hall of Famer. But there's, I mean, he's an ordinary shepherd boy. He also grows up to become a, an adulterer and a murderer. But God used, makes a promise to him and says, David, the Messiah is going to come from your lineage. Someone will always, from your family, will always sit on the throne in the throne of the universe. You have Isaiah, incredible prophet, but he pens, he writes, I am an unclean man with unclean lips who lives among a people who is with unclean lips. In other words, I'm part of the problem. I'm a sinner. That's who I am. I have nothing and I, I, I am going nowhere without God. And he writes, your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so I submit myself to you. 
Let's get to the New Testament. We have Matthew, who was a tax collector, who, an ordinary tax collector. He was hated by his own people, by the Israelites. He was disowned from his family. But, but Jesus says, Matthew, follow me, and you're gonna pin one of the gospels. We have Peter. We have great Peter, but Peter was an ordinary coward, denied knowing Jesus three times. And God uses him to be one of the foundational pieces of the early church. And you have Paul, the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, wrote much of the, uh, wrote much of the uh, New Testament, but he was a murderer of Christians before he met Christ. God takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God still wants to do that in and through us. So let me just ask you, what, as we talk about being used of the Lord, what fears are coming up to the surface? What, what, what fears are, 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 you, you know, are, you, are you facing? Maybe... Maybe it's, you know, something beyond your control, something you can make a small, ordinary change. But God wants to use ordinary you and ordinary me to declare and display the extraordinary freeing power of the gospel. And that's why we exist. So, so how did Mary respond to God? Well, look at, look at verse 38. It says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. To, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. In other words, she says, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So, so, so Mary, this is how she responded. Number one, she knew the cost. She knew the cost. She knew that this was going to cost her her reputation. It cost her her reputation. I, I, I mean, just, just think about it for a minute. I mean, you're, you're engaged to Joseph, who's an outstanding man, uh, very well respected. And she says, hey, Joseph, uh, let's meet for coffee. And so you sit down, you got your drinks. And uh, she goes, hey, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Which do you want first? Now, put yourself in Joseph's sandals for a minute. Um, all guys want what news first? They want the bad news first, right? Like how, how much is this gonna cost me, basically, you know, is what we wanna know. How, and how can I fix it? So he says the bad news, and she says, well, the bad news, Joseph, is that I'm pregnant and you're not the father. Joseph takes a long sip. Says, tell me something I don't know. She says, but the good news, the good news is that this is of God. In fact, not only is this of God, but remember the Messiah, the one that God had promised thousands of years ago to send to rescue the people of Israel. This baby's the one. He's the one, Joseph. And, and, and so Joseph, I mean, she knew the cost. She knew that, that what, it, what it meant. And poor Joseph, I mean, he's got to figure his way out of this because he knows the cost too, that his reputation is going to be demolished. So not only does she know the cost, okay? Um, but she also knew the law. And she knew that the Jewish law stated that if a girl got pregnant out of marriage, that her and her fiance could be executed. So she knew that. And then Mary, she also lost 
her comfort. She lost her comfort. That, ladies, you 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 know, you know what it's like to be. Some of you know what it's like to be nine months very pregnant, right, moms? And so you know that just a ride to Fort Worth can be very uncomfortable with with this person inside you. Now, could you imagine? You get this decree that you have to travel to Joseph's hometown and see your in-laws um, and to, uh, to be counted for this census. And so you gotta do this 90-mile track, but you can't do them all in one day. You go about nine miles a day. And so it's a 10-day journey. And ladies, you get to ride on a luxurious donkey. That's what happened. Now, Joseph must have been some kind of smooth talker because, you know, they get to Bethlehem and, you know, Mary's very nine months pregnant. I mean, the time has come. So he goes into the hotel lobby, you know, to get an in. But, but you know, the whole city, there's not a room in sight. There's not an Airbnb to be had. And so he goes out and she says, you know, Joseph, did you get a room? And he says, well, honey, remember how much you love animals? Remember that goat yoga thing that you enjoyed so much? Well, guess what? I've arranged it for you to give birth surrounded by animals. Dirty, filthy animals. Because there's no room for us. We're forgotten about. And so Mary, she gave up her comfort. So following Jesus is gonna cost us something. It may cost us our reputation. It may cost us comfort or relationship or finances or position or whatever. But here's, the, here's two responses today. And I'm gonna ask the band to come, get ready to help us respond. But two responses. The first response is for anyone who has never put their faith in Jesus. And maybe you've done a good job of playing church or being around church or being a good person. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never said, I can't perform my way in, I can't earn my way in, I need a savior because I'm a sinner and I'm, I don't have anything to offer, I don't have anything to trade, and this is where I'm going without this, without Jesus. And if that's you today, would today be the day of salvation for you? And would you say, Jesus, and I believe now, I've heard it, I'm responding. I believe you're the son of God and the savior of the world. And I put my faith, my trust, my confidence in you and your performance over mine. And so forgive me of all my sin, past, present, and future, and show me how to live the rest of my ordinary life for you. And I'm trusting you with the, with the, with the results. That's one response. And I hope every person in this room has made that response at some point. If not, you never have, please come see me today or a staff member before you leave. Let's, let's do that today. But the second response is, how could ordinary you do some ordinary things this week as we lead up to Christmas? And trust God with the results. Don't leave here thinking, oh, I gotta go do something. We, we don't, we don't have to do anything. But if you want to step into this arena of being used by God, say, hey, God, I really don't have anything extraordinary about me. I'm, I'm, it's kind of ordinary. But what are some ordinary things that you, that, that you can just partner with God on? You know, may, maybe, it, maybe it's buying somebody a coffee this week. That's so small and ordinary. But, but maybe it makes that person feel seen and extraordinary. Or, or, or maybe you're going to dinner this week 
and, and maybe you could pick, you know, one family or one couple and you tell your waiter or waitress, hey, we, we're gonna pay, we're gonna pay for them. So you bring us the check and you just tell them Christmas is about the greatest gift ever and this is a reflection of that. Merry Christmas. Some of you are hosting family next week. And there's nothing ordinary about your family, right? And it's gonna be a show, to say the least. And so, maybe that person says something about you at Christmas last year and you haven't talked to them all year because of what they said. Maybe this year you're just on an ordinary an ordinary, have an ordinary conversation and forgive them. Or, or maybe before all the chaos, you know, settles in that maybe you just take a moment and before everybody arrives, you just pray for by name every single person that's coming and that they, when they walk into your house, they would have this peace that would settle over them. That they would feel, they would leave your house feeling better about themselves then about you. That's hospitality. Maybe it's just invite a coworker to Christmas Eve service. Maybe they don't have anywhere to go and you invite them. It's, it's, it's a throwaway invite. It's ordinary. It's an ordinary Christmas Eve service. We don't have drummer boys flying in the rafters or angels. Or, it's an ordinary service. But could God do something extraordinary? So there's nothing, there's nothing ordinary about this story of Christmas and it leads to extraordinary results in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you.